This is a 98FM podcast. We noticed this today and I was quite taken by it. A, a cancer doctor, his name is Dr. Finn Bretnock. Um, he established and developed the National Children's Cancer Centre at Our Lady's Children's Hospital in Crumlin. But he said today that he has in the past over his career, he has taken parents to court to win the right to treat children. He said some parents were against brutal chemotherapy and radiation and the long-term side effects it can bring with it. But he said he felt it was in the children's best interest to treat them. So tonight is a difficult question, but in your opinion, and we're talking about when anybody's getting treatment, not just children, but should we fight for life at any cost and who should decide? In cases like this, who should really have the ultimate decision? Should it be the parents or the doctors? If you want to get in on this and if you have an opinion on it, um, Give me a call, 1850-22-9898. Give me a call on that or text me on 53981. Now, uh, Dee, you're very welcome to the show. How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. I'm very good, thanks. Now, th- thanks for getting in touch with us. You are in that very position at the moment. Yes, we are. Um, so, your little fella who's six, the same age as my little boy, has cancer. He has indeed. He was diagnosed on the 6th of March, 2012 at 1.35pm. Um, in your brain. That when you were told at that stage, did the did it feel as if the ground was falling away from under you? Yeah, my exact words were "Oh sweet Jesus," and I walked out of the room and I got myself together and I had to come back in and listen to what Dr. O'Marky, who is our consultant, who's fabulous, yeah. um, had to tell us. And it was the hardest thing that myself, my husband Simon, had to take on board. So, had your little fella what? Why did he end up in Crumlin to begin with, Jay? He had a sore hand on the previous Thursday and I took him into Temple Street and they we thought he had broken the hand mm-hmm. and they x-rayed it and said, no, it was fine. Uh, he came up in a bruise on the Friday afternoon and I said, we're taking it on Saturday. They did the blood tests and they said they diagnosed him with cellulitis, which is a blood poisoning type yeah, thing. Yeah. And then they said, come back and see us on Monday um, we went in on Monday, no, still cellulitis. But thankfully, somebody in Temple Street was doing their job mm. and they um, sent results unbeknownst to us to Crumlin. Oh. And we got a call on the Tuesday morning at 11 from Stan Coe, who was his doctor at the time. Yeah. And uh, he wanted to go through, he said his emphasites weren't great. He wanted to go through his whole history. Ben had a poor immune system. He was already attending the Rainbow Clinic with Professor Kant a long time ago. Okay. And said that somebody was waiting to see us in Crumlin. When could we make our way there? So, do you, you immediately obviously knew there was something serious wrong here. Well, we put it off in our minds. I think it was at the back of both my and Simon's minds thinking oh this is just to do with his immune system you know it's back playing silly beggars all over again yeah. da, 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 da. went yeah. back into the same place we were in before yeah. and then we met um, Dr. O'Markic and um, he gave us the news as best he could So uh, is it delivered very quickly D? is it just saying okay your son has a certain type of cancer we're going to do A, B, C and D or are you left with that information for a while until it kind of sinks in no, you're given, we were blessed on the basis that we were told the news, we were told how it come about, we had thought it was because Ben had picking his nails, that's how he picked it up, was it because of the cellulitis, yada, yada, yada. Um, and he said no, it had nothing to do with that. He went through what Ben has, acute lymphoblastic leukemia, 
and he went through that and told us that we had some time to make some calls but that Ben was being admitted there and then and that he would go to theatre the next morning and he would have a double lumen put in his body to deliver chemo. And we met the team that we would work with. We met our social worker, we met our uh, liaison nurses, uh, Claire and Imelda and we went down to the wards and we got in bed and... And off it was you just went. Like, and off we went. At any stage, D, did you think, look, uh, whoa, 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 I, I have to, I have to get my head around this. Give us, give us a little while to, to think about this. Or did anybody say, look, this is going to be, this is going to mean that Ben will be very sick? Or did you just think, no, let's go? Um, no, they explained to us that Ben would be very sick. That it was going to be a roller coaster of emotions. That we were going to get bombarded with information. We've a Bible that we carry with us every time we take Ben out, just in case we have to go to the hospital he spikes the temperature, all that sort of stuff. But they said at any point, <clears throat> excuse me, at any point, if we found it overwhelming, if we couldn't cope, which we didn't cope very well, um, just to say, stop, how, how would you? leave me. Yeah, just stop, leave me, come back to me. And that's what we had to do on occasion. So we were trying to get our heads around to going, why my son, why our son, why did he get this? Why, there's no rhyme or reason why Ben got it. And there is no rhyme or reason why any of the kids get it. 173 children are diagnosed every single year in Ireland with acute lymphoblastic leukaemia. So that's one child every second day. So do you entered into this whole new uh, sterile world, I suppose, with Ben and, and your, your partner as well. Um, was there any stage at which you thought, I don't want this treatment for my son, that it, this, this, is, this is horrific? Absolutely not, because we thought our first thing was well, we can't lose him. We just can't lose him. He's our pride and joy. We, we just we have to go. We have to trust them. They're the best in the world. Dr. Mark and Professor Smith are the top oncologists in 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 Ireland, as far as we're concerned. And they um, what they did was he goes in for ten days. On the first day, they have to do a lumbar puncture. They have to do a bone marrow extract. They come back and they do another one eight days later, and they see how. He, he's badly he's infected or not infected or how the chemo was working um, the first day he was 100% infected by day six, 8 he was 15% infected so oh. the chemo hit hard and then they do it again on day 28 but if he goes over a certain marker then he has to move from the regime he was on which was A which is nasty but it's yeah. not bad in the grand scheme of things yeah. um, to regime C, C which is nasty very nasty and how is he doing at the moment too? Um we finally moved into maintenance, what they call maintenance, so he did his eight months, nine months of hard graft and pure toxic crap going into his system. And how was he during that? He was very sick, he lost all his hair, but I kept Ben's hair short anyway, so right. it wasn't such a hard thing for him to lose, and he likes being bald. Um, and it suits him really, but he had to do go through different drugs such as um, methotrexate, uh, doxorubicin, we, you name it, we can mention it and like we can poisons. spell it. It is pure, pure poison and he has to do, there was one stage where he had to do a thing called methotrexate where they feed him with 100 milligrams and then 8, 10 days later he moved to 150, then he moved to 200, oh, then he gosh. moved to 250, then 300. Oh. And what's going to happen is then they can get um, mucositis uh, blisters in their mouth. Mm. Um, now Ben got them on the fourth stage because he was brilliant and he made it through all five stages but by the fifth stage Ben had to be hospitalised and he had to go on morphine because they had gone in his mouth his throat his stomach and he, he couldn't keep any food down he was in a heap at this stage did he ever ask what's going on I mean at this stage so he's six now he was five yeah when he got the leukaemia did he ever ask ma'am why, why are they doing this to me why is this happening 
Yeah, they give us books for the school. They give us books for him so we can sit and talk to him and read the books to him and study the books with him. And his dad had the hard job and fair play to him. He sat him down and explained it to him. And um, our son is quite a bright child. And he understands everything, absolutely everything that's going on. And he said, so the bad books are eating my good books. And I said, yes, darling, they are. Right, so we have to take all this nasty medicine, mummy. Yes, we do, darling. Will I get better? Yes. Our son, and I hope, I'm trying not to get upset here, our son planned his own funeral, wanted to know who would come, who would be there, and um, would people come and talk to him? Oh, good Lord. So at the five and a half, he had planned his own funeral and done this after the other, and, you know, he'd have days where he's just lolling about, there's days where he, because he has to go on fluids, as I say, he was put on morphine, yeah. Um, I had to put him back into pull-ups to help him sleep through the night. We've had him puke on us. We've had him, oh, you name it, we've had it. <laughs> <laughs> but then, what parent doesn't have a child puke or pee on them? God, <laughs> I mean, can, can you understand, Ian? I know this is, a very, this is a very tough question, but this story kind of stuck with me when, when I read it today. And I thought, and I know myself, you know, I, I had a son who was sick for about a year, nothing like that, but we were in Temple Street for an awful long time and I spent my time crying because I couldn't, I was just brutal. I was brutal. I just kept crying. I kept saying, look, I'm not usually like this, but I just can't cope. No, but that's a, that's a natural part of it. I mean, we found it very hard to get our heads around it. We eventually thought, at least I thought I had got my head around it. And over Christmas, because I've had time at home with him and everything else, and he's doing so well, sometimes you forget he's as sick as he is. Yeah. That you do have meltdowns. You have constant meltdowns. But you do it when he's gone to sleep. You don't do it when he's awake. If he's got questions... He asks, you know, we get him encouraging to ask us the questions. He's gone quiet for a while. We were saying, what's wrong? And he said, I don't want to die, Mommy and Daddy. And we said, you're not going to die, darling. But you said I was sick. And I said, you are sick. But you said Granny died because she had cancer. You know, Granny died because she was very, very old. You have to come up with answers. How do you keep it together and not just ball crying into his face? I don't know. You you don't have a choice. You 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 do it when they're gone to sleep. Do you have to think this is about him, this is not about me? It's not about me and it's not about Simon. It's about him and it's keeping him happy. And because he's restricted, because he has the lumine, he can't go playing football, he can't go swimming, he can't do all the normal things that kids do. We have him back in school here, 10 St. Martha's here in Clonsella. They have been absolutely wonderful. They phone us if there's what we call the lurgy mm. in there, chicken pox, measles, Exactly. Did yourself and Simon, because I'm wondering, and this was uh, Dr. Bratton, I'll give, if, if, you, if, you, if you want to call, by the way, we're talking to Dee, whose son at the moment is, is attending Crumlin Children's Hospital and he's been treated for, for leukaemia. But he, he said today, and he's the head oncologist in Crumlin, he said he's taken parents to court to win the right to treat their children because some parents couldn't face... And this isn't to do with... This is nothing to do with religious beliefs or blood transfusions or anything. Some parents... No. Um, were against the brutal chemo and radiation and the long-term side effects. But he has gone as far as, as, as taking them to court so we can win the right to treat children. And what the, I suppose the question I'm asking tonight is, should we fight for life at any cost? Yes. And, and who should decide, the parents or the doctors? Can you understand, I'll just give out the numbers to you, 1850-22-98-98, by the way, or 53981 is the text number. Can you understand, D? maybe that... Uh, partners, a mother and a father could be at loggerheads because it's, I know it's difficult when a child is ill because you can kill each other because oh, of, yeah. of the tension and the stress and the relationship and, and all that, that goes with that. Can you see that some parents just couldn't bear the thought of putting their kids through that? Can you see that it would take a court case to, to treat a child? Or do you find yes. that very odd? 
No, I don't. I don't find it odd at all. But I mean, there are so many different types of cancer. Like we have leukemia. There are other kids who have neuroblastoma. There are other kids who have tumours of the eye. Um, we have lots of friends. We've got Caitlin. She's got ALL. We've got Ethan ALL. James ALL. But then we've got, there's the other people. Um, there's Max who has neuroblastoma. There was Gabby who has neuroblastoma. And mm. um, they do whatever you, you do whatever you have to do. And when you have to, it's very hard in Crumlin because they don't have the facilities. And I mean this in the bottom of their heart. They mm. do not have the facilities. They're crap for parents. They're crap for their children. But that's not their fault. It's state funding. That's a different argument altogether. Yeah. But you fight, and I can understand why he does it. The chemo is crap. It's pure toxic. The radiation is even worse. But unless a child, and this is going to be very hard to say, where a child is terminally ill, where there is no hope in God's earth, then I would see that the doctors would do whatever they had to do to make that child comfortable. We've already watched two children die this year, last year. Right, right, right. One had neuroblastoma, one had ALL. Do you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a toss of a coin. Do you know what I mean? But I understand why the doctors fight. Well, and so any parent, you should fight. Okay. Listen, Dee, you've been. Um, I, I tell you, you've uh, you've put some spin on the new year. Look, I, I wish yourself and Simon and Ben the very best of luck, and, and no doubt I will talk to you in the future. Listen, look after yourself. Thanks a million. Breed your ninety eight FM. How are you doing? Hi, John. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Breda. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know whether you heard D or not, but... I did, yeah. I was I was teary-eyed here with her. Um, what do you think? Are you surprised to hear that doctors would go as far as taking parents to court? Well, I'm actually delighted to hear that they did. I, I, I just said it to Keith there earlier on. I don't read the paper, and I read that bit there earlier on, and mm. I was, like, amazed. And I'm delighted, you know, that somebody out there is they've taken up them because parents are a little afraid I think to go and do they don't know what's right and what's wrong I know it's a very hard harsh situation and all like that but you have to go you have to you fight for the life as you say there earlier on no matter what yeah I suppose that and we were talking about this earlier on and the officer was saying you know medical um medicine has moved on so much Brida even in the yeah. last five years there are so many things discovered I mean they can they can nearly recreate life in a test tube without anybody yeah. like it, it's moved on so far do you think and I know a doctor is looking at the child and thinking of the child's best outcome you know or, or that the child will survive but a parent I suppose also knows in, in their heart if a child is going to be left with with massive disabilities, with is it is it right to continue on and just go down the road of treatment? Do you think doctors sometimes perhaps get it wrong? I'm sure they can, but if the child is going to end up with disabilities, as you say, with or without going for it, aren't you better going for it? Do you know what I mean? Giving it that little extra chance. And do you think it should be fight for life at any cost? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think here in Ireland, especially, we're a little afraid of things and that. I was just talking to my son about this tonight and that's, he knew he knew of a couple that had, a, about six years ago I think he said it was and um, no, he was about six years, and the young lad had had cancer and the husband wanted him to be seen and the wife didn't, so they went to court and it's a funny situation the way it worked and because the wife was the mother, she won the case you know, but they split up after that. Well, you see, it's, that, I suppose having anybody ill belong to you, Breda, is a very stressful situation. Yeah, so they broke up after that, but he joined the father's rights to fight for the rights for the father's then. So do you know what something else came out of that, which was sad, but he still doesn't know to this day if the little fella ever went and got. 
you really? know it's very it's it's very hard we all seem to think we know better than the doctors but i think everybody has their job and everybody's their own you know it's hard and you can let the doctors do it see i, sp- I suppose as, as as an adult if you have and we'll use the case of cancer if you have cancer as an adult you can decide look actually you know, you can say, you, you can weigh up your possibilities and you can say, actually, I, I don't want to go down that road. I, I, I would prefer... As an adult, yeah. You're big and ugly enough, as the fella said. Exactly, you're big and ugly enough and you, and you decide, look, I, w- I want the rest of my time yeah. here. I don't want to be sick. I just want the rest of my time and then I'll pop off. Yeah. Um, oh. and I know it's... And there was a case, there was a case in the UK where a, a different illness, but there was a 14-year-old girl who had... Um, because of treatment that she was on, she had had a, tra- a heart transplant and she needed another one because we know these organs don't last forever. And she decided, no, now she, the, the health services in the UK took her to court, but she she actually won her case. She did. She said she didn't want any more treatment. As it turned out, after a year, she went for treatment and she got another heart transplant. But she said, I have been through so much. They reckon she was older than her years, that she'd been through so much she didn't want any more. Yeah, yeah. But... People deciding for their kiddies, it's, it's very hard and that. But I don't know if you know, you know there's people here in Ireland haven't even got their kiddies vaccinated yes, because they can't see the point in it and, yeah. you know, and it's not doing them any good and look at this and I never got done and I survived without it and all this. So, you know, it's hard for the parents to say, yeah, like, we let them go with this. But I think anybody with half a little brain out there will go with the doctors, you know what I mean? You think you should go with the doctors and you, can't, so. you can't understand why you wouldn't. I think you'd be selfish if you wouldn't because you're saying, okay, yeah, you know, they'll be sick and they'll be, dis- as you say, they might have a little disability. They're going to be sick one way or another, so why not let them go for the best end of it? Do you know what I mean? All right, Breda, good points. Great talking to you. Happy New Year. Talk to you, John. You See too. you. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 Um, uh, okay, we have a, uh, another message. And the child won't have any life if treatment isn't taken. We're talking about um, Dr. Finn Brennock, who established and developed the National Children's Cancer Hospital Cancer Centre, sorry, at Our Lady's Children's Hospital in Crumlin. He said that he has taken parents to court to win the right to treat their children who had cancer. Uh, he said parents oftentimes would be against brutal chemotherapy and radiation or either or and the long term side effects, but he felt if it was in the child's best interest to do so, he would fight for it and he's taken them to court. So I'm asking, should we fight for life at any cost and who should decide the parents or the doctors? 53981 is the text number, 1850. 229898. Just before we go to James, um, one of your messages, the child won't have any life if treatment isn't taken. The denial of treatment is a death sentence. Children should be removed from parents that would throw the child's life away so carelessly. If any parents do think it's not worth treating a child with cancer, then they themselves should be noted and refuse cancer treatments themselves in the future. Turn uh, about is fair play after all. Um Yes, but what if you feel that at the end of all this that there isn't going to be a positive outcome, that, you know, there is no chance. 53981. James, you're on 98 FM. How are you? Not too bad, John. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Now, you, you know all about this because you have spent uh, quite a while. Happy New Year to you, by the way. Um, you do, you you've, do. you've spent quite a while in hospital and, and you have had a, uh, a new kidney. I have. Um, do you think that families should be allowed to decide on treatment or do you think it should be completely down to doctors? Um, so it's, it's a difficult one for me now because the treatment I had to go through it was extremely necessary I was um, I was diagnosed with kidney failure and a very rare disease called Wagner's back in 2006 um, I was in hospital straight away I was in, in and out of hospital for two years still going back in and out, out now but I'm much better um, 
yeah, the first time I had to drop out of school in February of '06. Uh, I was on dialysis the first day I went to the hospital, um, and everything that was anything that could have went wrong went wrong. I my immune system is non-existent besides some injections I now have to take because of the treatment they have me on, it's, which I was the same delivery system they have for chemo. Mm-hmm. Um, so that medication they put me on helped me out but in turn nice. it's given me problems now for the rest of my life really um, yeah um, what else um, I've had seizures I've had problems in my brain I've had uh, four trips five trips into ICU I've had four pneumonias um, I've had a pseudomonas blood infection which is the same problem that those kids from Belfast had a few, I think it was a year or two ago. Got you, yes, yes, yes. I, I had that as well. Jeez, uh, I've got to write a book and all this sort of stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, the one thing I never questioned was any of the doctor's decisions, ever. Uh, now, partly because I couldn't, I wasn't in the right state. I mean, there was one time I couldn't count up to 10. It was that bad. I was sleeping mm. for 22 hours a day. Uh, but in, in any procedures that they had me doing, now I know in some cases when I've been in the hospital for six or eight weeks, for forever it was it's maximum six to eight weeks but then back in and out every weekend depending on what went wrong um, although I get frustrated and angry with it that I couldn't go home and be normal I mean I was, this was, I was 18 at the time I just got my driver's license I was wanting to get out and meet girls and go to college and everything but I didn't get that chance to. Um, but um, although I was so frustrated I never ever ever questioned what doctors did for me Can you Can you understand if if it's your child, I suppose, and, y- you know, y- y- the child can't make that decision themselves yeah, yeah. and you feel you're putting them through either chemotherapy or radiation and you really don't know. Now, I know, look, nothing is 100% in life. Yeah, that's, unfortunately, yeah. that's the condition, you know, that, that we're born into. But, you know, can you understand where somebody might think, look, if my son or if my daughter is not going to recover and you're only going to prolong their illness really yeah. uh, I don't want that from them for them should I say I can understand, I can understand it, but I've taken this from my parents point of view like my, I've only just really talked to my parents about this the last maybe year or so because uh, it was so bad with me again I'm just working off my own case here because I can't comment on anybody else's case situation because I don't want to get anybody else angry or obsessed about it mm. but my dad uh, a year I think it was about a year or so after I was very very bad um, my last stint after my transplant in ICU uh, he was told by one of the doctors that he would have to cut. <laughs> so I'm gonna, my voice is trying to crackle here. I hate talking about this this, this oh, one bit. Um, that he was asked by one of the doctors that they something has gone wrong. Uh, I had a cinnamon blood infection, pneumonia. I was in ICU because my kidney was rejecting itself. My blood pressure was 60 over 40. Yes. Um, so I couldn't stand up. I, couldn't, I wasn't conscious. I was put in a medically induced coma okay. in ICU. But they told me that they'd have to, they want my parents to bring my brother and sister in. Uh, I hope they're not listening now because they'll kill me for this. Uh, they had to bring my brother and sister in to say goodbye because I wasn't leaving hospital. Oh, good Lord. That was the worst time. Uh, now, my dad only, my mum and dad only got home and told me this. Uh, about, uh, it would be three years ago now. Yeah. Um, it took me years to tell me. And they, he used to tell me that he'd be going out to his car every time after leaving me in hospital at 8 or 9 o'clock at night and he couldn't drive home for about uh, maybe half an hour, an hour because he was so upset. I can imagine. So, I mean, as as D, and I don't know if you heard D. I mean, D said it is just mind numbing, um, yeah. and and you know, breaking down all the time. But but can you can you understand why parents would do that? Do you think it is oh, yeah, a selfish I mean, thing or is it selfless to, to no, say? No, it's 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 one on one with parents. As soon as you, I mean, I've never, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a parent. I don't know this, but I can only imagine that as soon as your your kid comes into the world. The only thing you want to do is protect it. If, mm. if if it's putting knee pads on on her on him or her when they're going out 
uh, you know, playing with their bike, if they're if you're putting a, just anything like a big coat when they're it's when it's too cold outside, it's built it's built into you. You want to protect your kids. Although the doctors are putting you through this horrible, horrible procedures. Like my aunt had cancer, and so did my uncle as well. So I've I've got a, a sort of an idea of what they went through, but not not like sitting there in front of them but I know from people telling me because this is the only young I was a youngster when my, my aunt died but um, that was cancer as well what sort of stuff they go through, go through getting chemo throwing up uh, all the horrible stuff that you go through when you have that your hair falling out all that stuff and all you want to do is take it's away protect. the pain even if you could have so it it's, it's, I know it's a protection it, it, yeah it's horrible but again the doctors I have never ever I've, I had I had one case of when I, I, would, I complained about one doctor in Beaumont uh I was his last case of the day and he sort of rushed through it. They mm. had to put a fluid into my one of my um, groin arteries uh, to get a picture of my my brain because I had so many seizures. And right. uh, he was like a butcher. Oh, God. I, 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 doctors used to always say that I was I was one of those patients that always had a smile on his face no matter how bad it got. Um, now, I, I I would never see it that way, but I, that's what they always told me. Right. And they said, as soon as I started complaining about this one guy... They knew it, they knew it must be bad. It the, yeah, it was the only time that I ever complained about God. anything they did. And I've had so many procedures, I can't even name your them. Health, your health is good now, James? Oh, I'm fine now, yeah. I'm, I'm three years after. I haven't, had a hospital. I haven't been in the hospital for two and a half years now. Good man, stay, stay out of there. All right, listen, James, All right, happy new year to you. Talk to you, you soon. Thanks, Thanks so a lot. Okay, thank you. Uh, in your opinion, should we fight for life? This we're talking about at any cost and who should decide, the parents or the doctors? After Cancer Doctor today said he's taken parents to court which you wouldn't think would happen. This isn't uh, anything to do uh, with religious uh, beliefs or anything like that, but he's taken parents to court who didn't want their children to receive chemotherapy or radiation when they were diagnosed with cancer. And he said, you know, probably because of the long-term side effects, and it is very brutal, the treatment, but he said he felt it was the right thing to do. I'm asking your opinion. Should we fight for life at any cost? And who should decide? The parents or the doctors? 1850-22-9898. Give me a call on that or text me on 53981. Just before we get to Jen, some of your messages. Um, it's a tough one, but most parents uh, want what's best for their child. So the doctor should do his or her best and let parents do theirs to Sandra. Um, Aya Joan, just listening to your show about children with oncology issues. I'm a nurse and have nursed many children with terminal illness. To answer your question, I would say it has to be a joint decision for the best interest of the child. Doctors and nurses have a duty of care to all their patients. Indeed, fighting for life at all costs is a must. If it's decided the child is in a palliative stage of their illness, then a decision uh, is made to treat conservatively and provide maximum quality of life to the child. Thank you very much, um, whoever texts that in. Jen, you're on 98 FM. How are you doing? Hiya, not too bad, not too bad. Um, what do you think, Jen? Um, well, I would be very strongly in favour of that when I when I heard you saying that. The first thing that came into my head was, good, good. Um, because I think there's... There's just too many cases of people opting for alternative medicine or non-treatments in cases where children have curable illnesses. And I realise that, you know, the side effects of chemo are very difficult. Mm. You know, I know this perfectly well. My dad had four different types of chemo Mm. before he passed away. Mm. So we're very well aware. You know, I shaved his head when he lost his hair. Mm. Um, But... You know, the side effect of no treatment of those cases is death, and it's usually not a tremendously pleasant one either. 
Um, I mean, this doctor said in the future, and we would hope that because, I mean, everybody thinks of cancer and chemotherapy is just horrific. Um, and it is. It absolutely is. He says, you know, hopefully in the, in the future we won't have chemotherapy or radiation. But at the moment, that is what is there. Do you think, and, and I, I was saying this to Brida, Jen, I don't know if you heard me earlier on, you know, is it life, do you think, at any cost? And I'm not talking about killing people, but... Medicine has moved on at such an amazing speed. Is it about an end result of having a patient alive rather than a quality of life? Do you think? Um, not not so much. I mean, I think they're they're pretty good about palliative care um, in terms of the doctors just being fairly honest and saying, "Listen, there is nothing else that we can do." You know, and we had that conversation about my dad, and they just tell us, "Listen." We've tried everything. It's chemo-resistant. There is nothing else we can give them. We're very sorry. We will do absolutely everything we can. You know, we'll cure the pneumonia, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And that's fine. You know, when it got to that stage, it wasn't like they were saying, okay, you have to do more chemo. Yeah. But, you know, all of the chemo that Dad had gave us a lot of extra time with him. Um, What was was his quality of life like, Jen, while he was having all that chemo? He had he was he had one or two not great months towards the very end, um, but Dad deteriorated much more quickly than we could have imagined. We went in on a Wednesday and we were told he had maybe a couple of months and he died on a Friday, as in the Friday immediately following. So um, he deteriorated very quickly indeed, um, much more quickly than than really any of us expected. Absolutely. Um, Did he know at this stage, Jen himself? Um, it, it, it's hard to it's hard to know. Like, uh, you know, like he obviously he, he was not he was he wasn't so sick that he wasn't there for the conversation. I mean, he was awake and alert and all the rest of it when he had the conversation with the doctor. And my mum was there as well, and they said, "Listen, there's nothing else we can do," um, because obviously then they had to call us and tell us, you know, myself and my two brothers. Um, but she just deteriorated very quickly. But I mean. One of the things I found myself very glad of was the fact that Dad was always quite pragmatic and sensible. Mm. Um, and so even though during his illnesses, because he had cancer twice, um, some alternative medicine stuff did come into our house. Okay. Dad had kind of roughly the same attitude along that line as me, which is if there's someone promising a cure with no side effects and you know, minimal this and minimal that and all the rest of it and it's a miracle cure, it's probably not going to be it's probably, the answer to your prayer. It's, it's probably quackery. Um, now, I don't know whether parents have gone down, parents who refused <laughs> or who tried to refuse treatment for their child. Perhaps they were just in shock. Perhaps they thought, look, this is only give, going to give my child maybe an extra year, you know. Or... Well, I mean, there's that case there um, of Sally Roberts mm. um, and her child, Neon Roberts, who has had a form of um, brain cancer but a very curable form mm. one where they do surgery a minimal amount of radiation um, and then the child pretty much lives a normal life for the rest of their life and because she had been reading about various alternative medicines she actually basically took her kid from the hospital and kind of went on the run they actually the, the media normally they don't tend to release child pictures and whatnot. Um, for the sake of privacy, but they were so concerned about his case that they actually released pictures of him and his mum. They could try and find him, and she was taken to court, and she did say things like she felt, you know, very forced into the decision and so on and so forth. 
But there is a case where, for example, the child could live and have a perfectly normal quality of life. Mm. But because of the position of the tumour and the type of tumour, if left untreated, because they'd caught it at such an early stage as well, but if left untreated, he would die. He would, he would die and it would be very unpleasant because yeah. it presses on the brain stem. He'd lose motor function, he'd lose body control, and so on and so forth. But and you, once it goes past a certain stage, not treatable anymore. Do you think then that the doctors are right to go all the way to try to treat <clears throat> children, cancer patients, I suppose, well, look, an awful lot of treatments are, are quite brutal. Um, even if even if there there is a limited quality of life afterwards, Jen? Um, I think the doctors have a pretty good idea of what the side effects of the treatment are. I mean, I don't think they're giving these side... I don't think they're giving the treatments blind. Do you know what I mean? Well, what he said it's was, not, no, he did say, and he's, he's established uh, the National Children's Cancer Centre, he said that chemotherapy and radi- radiotherapy can have severe, immediate, long-term effects. He said it's very difficult, he said, to judge how every child is going to react. He said they can have massively different reactions, So, which I would never have known. I would have never have known, but so that it can be extremely... So it, you're, I suppose you're dealing with the unknown and, and it's difficult maybe to bring people around. But look, Jen, um, and I am sorry... My condolences for your dad. It's a tough time coming coming through Christmas and the New Year. I know, yeah. um, but look, th- th- thanks for talking to me. No problem. Thanks for that. Thanks, Jan. See you. Bye. Um, okay, some of your messages just before I get to Maria. Cancer treatment has lots of short term problems and a few long term problems. I'd rather live with short term problems and a few long ones than not live at all. If the parents don't want their child to suffer, fair enough. I can well see where they're coming from, but they're letting their child definitely die, which I just can't agree with. Says Kieran. Um, Maria, you're on ninety eight FM. How are you doing? Hi. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Um, Maria, what's what's your situation? Um, well, I had cancer a few years ago, um, um, and you're talking about the effects of cancer, but everybody goes through different, mm. you know, different effects, different treatments. Um, some people don't have much, you know, they're not affected that badly. Um, so it's different for everybody, and it's a huge risk for somebody um, to say that a child, their child shouldn't have the treatment. You know, when you're an adult, you can make a decision for yourself. It is very scary. And you can make the decision. And and most of the times, it's not what you want to do. But if it's to save your life and, you know, that you have a good chance, and it's it's like buying a car insurance, you know, where, you know, you have 95% chance rather than putting yourself at a 40% chance and dying. Can you understand why parents would take that decision and it would go all the way to court? Do you think maybe it's one party against another, as in mother and father, or do you just think they don't want their child put through it? What? what? Um, it's because I, I don't know. I suppose it's very hard for me to sit here and say if I, you know, had a child that was critically ill, um, to, to whether to put them through or not. I, I would be very upset. You, you know, the mother and father obviously have their emotions. Who wants their child to be ill? You know, sickness more or less is for people, we imagine, older people or, you know, middle-aged people. Absolutely, you yes. Know, yes, very, good, very good point, yeah, yeah. And that can, you know, have, a, you know, your brain is working and you're thinking about things and what you should do and decisions you have to make. Were but you very the, shocked, Maria, when, when you heard your, your diagnosis? A, absolutely devastated. Devastated mm. and not in dis- disbelief, complete disbelief. Yeah. Um, and then I had to go away. You know, they send you away to obviously recover, 
and then they bring you back in to talk to you about obviously surgery treatments and you know when you come back you're sort of in you know very angry you know because first of all you've shocked then you've the anger and then you have to deal with what you've got to go through um and you know what a lot of people probably don't know as well is that you know, you're in such a state of shock that you're, you go to the hospital, you're put on to a doctor, then you're put on to a gynecologist, then you're put on to radium. But there's choices, you know, and you can always get a second opinion. And delaying a treatment, you know, after surgery they leave you for about three to four weeks and then they want to start treatment as soon as possible because the quicker the treatment has started, the better chance you have. Of course. Did, did you want to delay, Marie, at any stage? Did you want, no, a, did you want no. a second opinion? I did get a second opinion, yeah. Because the first doctor that I went to, which was, you know, part of, you know, when you went in, you just put through the system. Mm. And you just sort of follow along. And um, I was told that I had to have six months treatment uh, chemotherapy. Wow. Which I, yeah, which I wasn't happy about. Right. Um, I felt I actually didn't need this chemotherapy. Okay. That I, it was him who wanted me to have it. Um, so I had to think, you know, about it. And then I thought, you know, you kind of get a bit sensible and you say, now this is a big risk. You know, do I want to see my children grow? Mm. Or do I want to be stupid? You know, for the sake of what? A little bit of, you know, a year of my life being turned upside down. Okay. That I will get better. You know, you've got, there's a whole load with cancer. You've got to eat properly, the best food you can eat, you know, what you can afford, uh, fruit, vegetables. You know, you've got to change from fast food, rubbish. You know, you've got to watch all of that sugar. Did did you do all that? Yeah, sugar feeds it, doesn't it? Sugar feeds cancer, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are not aware of that. And, you know, there's a lot of information on the internet that can scare people and put them off. And also, there's a lot of information that is good. But you've got to, you know, as I said, when you're an adult, you can make all these decisions. But here is a mother and father making a a choice for a child. Very tough on a relationship. I, I mean, look, I would say having cancer in a relationship is extremely tough. I think people have this, a lot of people, or some of us sometimes have this idea of, you know, coming home to your husband to tell him, I'd say it's devastating on a relationship, Maria. It, it's devastating. It can make or break a relationship. Yeah. Um, most of the time I was on my own. Yeah. Um, um, I was crying. Uh, the, the nurses were saying to me in the hospital, look, this is what happens. And I said, what? I don't understand that. This is a man that loves me, but he's walking away. Mm. Basically, it's because they can't cope. Yes, yes, yes. It's not that they don't love or care. It's just they're in so much trauma, whether they're going to lose you or not, or what you have to go through. But as, as a patient, you want the people there to support you and to love you. And, you know, but it's very hard for them as well. You know, but you don't realize all of this until you have to go through it. But you get through it. And, you know, cancer is blown out of proportion. You know, you know, years ago, there was, what, AIDS and, you know, everyone was going to die and HIV and all this. And, you know, cancer is made to be a very big thing, but it's manageable. And, you know, if you outweigh so many people survive and live and it's getting better and better and the treatments are getting better and better. And they're doing amazing things like from so many years ago to today. You know, and it's moving all the time. It's progress. And it it's, is, there are incredible people. No, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And I mean, my, my, my thing would be then, if you're not happy, you know, to, to uh, let your child go through this, it, it, you know, it might be tough. It might not be tough. You know, you don't know till you start the treatment. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, if you have your child living 
and they they may have a few side effects. I mean, they may have no side effects. Okay, you, you just, know, you, you, you gotta you gotta trust them. Yeah, you don't know. You've got to trust. You know, we're not medical people. We're just you know human beings trusting the medical people. But there's so much more you can do for yourself: healings, minding what you eat, staying away from sugar. You know, so many other things that you can make your body stronger. You know, so I think it's 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 very sad. It's very hard for that mother and father, but it, it'll be harder for their child to be gone. I think. Absolutely. Okay, Maria, listen, lovely talking to you and thank, thank you. you. Thanks for sharing that with me. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to a 98FM podcast. Download more at 98FM.com.